Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and eBooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. Um, a joy to be with you today, and with me... Another wonderful guest who's um, looking radiant, if I may say so. It's <laughs> Connie you. Monroe. So it's a joy to meet you today on this. Well, it's the week before Christmas, isn't it? So it are is. you feeling joyful and festive? I actually am feeling quite festive and I'm really, really happy to be here. So thanks for having me on. Brilliant. I'm looking forward to it. So tell us a little bit about what it is that you do, Connie. So um, basically what I do is I coach people through... Um, big events in their life, right? Um, I I started doing this work actually when I was in corporate America. So I've left corporate America many years ago. I left in uh, 2012. And um, my the favorite part of my job in corporate America was managing people. Mm. And, and um, it just, you know, I before I started managing people, I didn't really like my career. Right. Like, I just was like, why did I go here? Like, how did I end up in finance? Like I had no plan of doing that, but you know what? I put myself through university. So, um, I had lots of student loans to pay back and, um, I had a cousin who was working in a big, this big company and, um, there was lots of positions open. It was a dot-com boom. And I said, okay, I'll just go there and then I'll figure things out. Um, so I was working there for about three years when I got my first assignment as a manager. And what I discovered is because uh, I think particularly at that time, because I was in client services, I was in client services, I was in the customer service department, right? A lot of people, I I was pretty much right out of university going into this big company. And what I realized when I started managing people was lots of people go into those positions for other reasons, right? Like I would, I had 15 people the first time I managed people. And I would say at least 10 of them were there for other intentions, right? Um, They either wanted to go on the trading floor or they wanted to do something else. They wanted to get into human resources. They didn't want to sit and be processing ledgers all day. And what the other discovery I I had was like, after two or three years, people were getting lazy. And and so when I, I was, I'm this new manager, I'm managing these people and I'm realizing this theme, like, why are you still here three years later? Let's help you move on, you know? And um, it really became a thing for me where I wanted, it was like the most satisfying thing for me to help someone move on and then bring someone new in. And um, 
that's what got me staying there so long. I mean, I ended up staying working for that company for 16 years and, um, you know, trying to find a way out. What do I do? Coaching became a thing. I I became very involved in personal development for myself. Um, And so I, I hired myself a coach in 2010 or 11. And, um, you know, my degree from university was um, uh, English. My mom was so excited because she thought I was going to be a school teacher. And I said, they make no money. I'm not going to be a school teacher. <laughs> and I you know, I would joke with my corporate buddies. I would say to them, oh, I'm not going to, I'm only going to be here a couple of years. I'm, you know, I'm going to write books and I'm going to be an author. And I'm just, I'm not going to be here long. I'm not, my intention is not to stay. Mm. And so here it is all these years later, right? That was back in the... 90s when I started working for the company and now here it is 2012 and I hire myself a coach and I say I just don't know what I'm doing like I left corporate America when the big financial crisis happened and um then went right back in because I was like a fish out of water I wasn't working I didn't know what I was doing and um so my coach did great job with me we spent about um about 12 weeks together, once a week, 12 weeks. And she came up with a lot of different scenarios scenarios for me. And her favorite was to combine my love, love of writing with my love of mentoring people and write a book to launch my coaching career. And I thought, oh, okay, well, who does that, right? <laughs> so I didn't do it until 2018. But but since that time, and, and of course, you know, the online sphere has really boomed right since the time I wanted to help people but not be in the corporate environment um so it really has boomed it has allowed us to have have meetings like this it's allowed us to do all kinds of things online but feel like you're in person so um I would say most of the people I help are are in a career transition mm-hmm. uh like I I was helping them in in corporate um of course I love you know, I'm now getting into helping other people because of my book. Um, it's it's all about that transition, right? It's all about where am I? Why am I here? You know, um, I talk about on my website this um, method I use. I call it the joy method. And it's all about, you know, three things, right? Where are you on your journey? What is your relationship with others? We don't take a look at those two first. We can't really look at you. And that's the why part of it, looking at you. Where you, so, so how do you fit into all of this? And I just think that, um, you know, the people who are coming to me are really making big decisions. It's yeah. like, you know, how did I get, how did I, how am I here for 15 years, right? <laughs> I, my intention was to be over there and I'm over here. And really that's what, um, what I feel comfortable with. Um, and I really just think that it just became a passion of mine and it became a passion of mine because I just was so, insp- I had a very good, um, a lot of good role models in my life. Um, you know, I was brought up by my mom, uh, my father, um, left when I was about nine or 10 years old and, you know, my mom went back to school. She went back to school to become a nurse. And, you know, I'm like, you know, nine or 10 years old watching this woman who's almost 40, right? Like go back to school. She was like a huge hero for me, you know? Um, There was my 
um, my cheerleading coach, right. Who really, really believed in me. I didn't even want to be a cheerleader. I was becoming a cheerleader because my cousin was a cheerleader. I'm like this little kid, you know, and she, and I was horrible. I don't even know why she put me on the team. Right. So she told me exactly what to do. And I went back a year later and tried out and she just, she just, she had me, she had me perform for the rest of the girls. And she's like, that's what this should look like. Right. So I had all these people in my life that I really feel sort of put me on this path to help other people. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't regret my corporate career at all. Um, I spent the first three or four years in that corporate career, just hating it, mm -hmm. you know, and it really is funny because I worked with a headhunter right out of university. She was a wonderful lady. She really wanted to place me somewhere. And um, she said, I'm going to try a lot of different things with you. I'm going to, put you in fashion. I'm going to put you in um, publishing. I'm going to put you all over. I, she said, there's one industry I will not put you in and that's finance. So when I tell her I get a job in finance, she's like, you're going to be miserable. <laughs> and she was And the, you know, the first few years of, I just didn't like my career. And that's when I started doing personal development. Mm -hmm. Um, I also met my ex-husband there. And so then I was focused on all things wedding and starting a family and all of that. And, um, but he had a, he had a great uh, woman in his family who was asking me about my career. She wanted to know, she's like, oh, your personal life's great. Now let me talk about your personal, your professional life. And I said, I'm miserable. <laughs> I am absolutely, I said there at least once a week, I cry going to work. I don't like what I'm doing. And so she gave me um, some personal development tapes. And that was probably in about 1998. Mm -hmm. And that started me on this path. Uh, then combine that with a year or two later, managing people mm -hmm. and just getting abs absolute joy out of helping someone get out of like how I was feeling, right? Uh, one of the people I helped in my first uh, uh, position as a manager was this he was right out of college, right? So I was only a few years older than him. Mm. He'd been working in that department for, I don't know, three, four years. And I'm like, well, what do you want to do? And he, he told me he wanted to work on the trading floor. He wanted to trade stocks. He wanted to. So we made sure, you know, I got him set up. And uh, it didn't hurt that I knew a couple of people in human resources. And um, we got him. We got, he, we got his foot in the door there. And he called me from the trading floor first day of his new job and he was like oh my god thank you so much listen to this and it was so rewarding it was so rewarding so I guess selfishly speaking you know that's what I like to do I like to help people figure things out because I think many times for many reasons everyone's different right many times for many reasons we just get stuck we just get stuck and yeah. and this is like like you know our lives are not a rehearsal, right? We get one shot at it. And, and there's just no reason to, um, you know, to not be happy doing what you're doing. And and that was always my thing too, right? So selfishly speaking, as a manager, if my people weren't happy, they were not going to do good work for me. Mm. You know, uh, and I, I butted heads with a lot of managers, because, you know, they wanted things a certain way. And, you know, I had one woman working for me once who had two little boys waiting home for her for an hour before she got home. She was in before everybody. And I don't think anybody really knew that about her. She was in before everybody. And, but she left at four o'clock every day. Mm -hmm. 
And sometimes people will be like, and then I, I said, does, does everybody realize she's got two boys? And like, just because she's leaving at four every day doesn't mean that she's a bad worker. She And she had no desire to move up. Like she wanted her job so she could help pay her bills. And that was really, you know, that was really her thing, right? You've got worker bees and you've got career people and both are valuable for the organization. Um, so, so, so important. Um, but yeah, so that's, I, I think I'm being long-winded about what I, what it is I do for people. <laughs> I'm without a breath. That's brilliant. <laughs> so you give us a lot to unpack there. Um, yeah. But, but one of the things you just alluded to before we start chatting is that you live in Costa Rica now. So you must tell us why, how, how you ended up there. Because because I often find people who have moved into a, a different country or a different environment or setting, often that's linked to a sort of piece of change. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, my my partner and I, um, we have been together for 18 years. Um, back in 2000, we were newly dating back like in 2000, maybe it was 2007. We were dating a couple of years and we just came here on vacation. Mm. Um, he's actually from... Uh, England. He's from the Cotswold area. And what his thing was, he had moved to New Jersey, which is where I was born and raised, only ever lived in New Jersey. And so his tradition was for the holidays every year is he would go somewhere warm. Yeah. And he was like, don't buy each other a present, maybe mm-hmm. buy each other a book. We read the book on the beach. That's what we're going to. And I was like, I love that Good idea. Plan. Yeah. I like him already. <laughs> so, so what they said was it his second year that we were doing this? It was Costa Rica. He said, "Did you ever want to go to Costa Rica?" And I, I had, I had a colleague from my corporate days who was half Irish and half Costa Rican and living in the United States. Goodness so goodness. anyway, that's the story. We just kept comparing Costa Rica to everything else. And then during the financial crisis back in two thousand eight or nine, it was like this opportunity, right? So I tried all that time, like different things to do and what was I going to do differently? And, and it was just a a really good package, right? Mm -hmm. It was a great package. And, you know, we discussed it and I said, well, you know, let's just try it. And so Mm -hmm. then we started spending winters here. So it was a very gradual thing. 2007 was probably our first trip. 2010 was, uh, we bought the house and then 2012, we started doing winters and that went on for a few years. And then yeah. we've been here permanently since 2017. So it wasn't a big jump. It was more of a, um, no. And a we've met a lot of people yeah, who've good. done a big jump. And I just, I think it's a bad idea. <laughs> so it's, a, it's interesting when you describe that, you, you sort of just describe that classic, uh, life for about 16, usually 16, 17 years sort of vanishes because you put yeah. you're on somebody else's path, aren't you? And then we sort of have life changes and we sort of, yeah, grow a bit of wisdom don't we and then that's yes. the point where we think actually what's my path and you know should I and for some people of course it's do I even deserve one because obviously they're, they're living their entire lives around the needs of other people so yeah. you know how, how do you help people who because well let me let me ask you a better question than that so there's some people who never have that sense of awakening and that's fine isn't it it's actually okay to be happy on somebody else's path um, but for the people who get discontented, stuck is often the word that's used. I mean, how do you know you're in that stage? I mean, it's, it's an obvious question because it's uncomfortable, but how else do you know? I think I think the big thing that I hear a lot of and, and that I even said to myself is, you know, maybe you've got to a goal, right? 
or, you know, you've met, you got married or you got a big promotion or, you know, something happens in your life and, and you're like, you literally, it's like, um, what was that film with Jack Nicholson? Um, what about Schmidt? I think it was, it's like, Oh, oh yes. is this all there is? Yeah. Is this all there is? Like, <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. You know, I, I know that life is definitely an ebb and flow of life. I'm not saying, you know, Oh, you know, all, of us are joyful every minute of the day and you know that's the goal that's never going to be the goal that's not reality that's not life but truly if you are not happy to get out of bed and face your life for whatever reason i see a lot of people throwing themselves into their career because they're not happy in their personal lives yeah right and 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 then i also see a lot of people who are quite successful um, you know, they're, they're quite, um, on the outside, they seem quite happy, but they're like, I don't know there's something missing. Yeah. So that's the big thing I hear is that there's something quite, not quite right. Yes. And I believe that we're all born, whether some people, like, maybe they never get to realize it, but I, I think that if we're on the wrong path, there's always going to be like someone tapping you on your shoulder. Yes. Like you you know if we think about what things brought us joy when we were children usually there's some type of thing that's thread that's that's keeping you going back to whatever it is for some people it seems really obvious right like oh i don't know um uh i know a person who had a very bad um disease as a child Right. So they went into the medical field. Right. Yeah. There's, you know, there's lots of similar stories. But honestly, if we're, if there's like part of us that's feeling like we should be somewhere else, you know, that's usually a huge indicator. Yes. Um, and if you stuff it down for so many years, right, it, it, it will, you know, your brain is this great machine, right? It is going to eventually start saying, okay, well, that's where she's comfortable. And that's what, you know, you know, that's what's your brain. And if you tell your brain, if you keep telling your brain, I need to find a way to get out of here, that's a better thing to do. And I think that when people get into that groove where they're comfortable and they just sort of say, oh, and then the next thing you know, they're saying, well, I only have 10 more years to retirement. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, I think that life, you know, I do, I do believe that we're many, many of us, most of us are, are living like a, a fraction of the life that we should be living. Yes. And and the old strategy used to be you, you became a generalist or a specialist, didn't you? And that helped your career and you could make choices based on that. And being a manager is obviously the ultimate generalist because that's a set of transferable skills you can take anywhere and allows yeah. you to go into anything, uh, crowded market, but it's an easy one to go. But of course, all that's changing now with the rise of AI and technology and such like. And I'm looking at the next generation coming through and thinking, actually, this this pattern of the 17 years vanishing life and then suddenly waking up on maybe your 50s, for example, um, saying, hey, I need to do something different. That's that's probably going to happen much, much earlier, I think. Now. What, I don't know what you think. Oh, I absolutely agree. I can see it with all the young people in my life. I never had children. Um, that was part of that story that we were talking about earlier. Um, and that, and that was another thing to decide. Right. So I decided, I just decided that at one point, you know, um, my marriage didn't work out, uh, having children didn't work out. And so I said, maybe I'm supposed to do something else, but I see it in a lot of younger people now. Um, you know, I've 
got a couple of people who I speak to fairly regularly to bounce things off of. I'm like, you know, I'm 20 years older than some of these people. And I'm like, so what do you think about this? Because they've got an entirely different different perspective. When I, I, when I look at them and I say, I remember where I was when I was their age, I'm like, wow. And, and let's face it, right? They have a whole different set of tools than we did. But, but it's interesting, isn't it? Because when I was coming through corporate life myself, um, I remember what we used to do in the corporate world was used to fire everybody over 50 because they used to say their, go to, their get up and go has got up and gone. And so you used to always constantly replace from the bottom newer, junior and um, less skilled. I mean, let's be candid, cheaper people. But the 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 real skill is actually about how you marry those two, two groups together. Because, I mean, you know, the old definition of mentoring was to have a, a sage advisor. And to be sage, you had to have a wisdom, experience and grey hair. And, um, well, I've got some hair left, but, but I think it's, <laughs> it's an important it's an important thing to do is to be planning in your life about what you're going to be doing in your later life because i mean the theory goes now that we could all be living till 1800 hopefully in a sort of a healthy sort of way you know the old idea that we retire at 55 and we swan around on a yacht i think is well gone because that's only for the top one percent now isn't it yeah so it's about how do you reinvent many careers now isn't it so the idea of having five or six careers why not i'm on my i'm on my fifth why why not have more absolutely it's a a badge of honor now isn't it it gives you perspective It really, really is. And, you know, I was never really, you know, I, I've talked about how I, I hated the early part of my corporate career. Um, I was hoping to have, have more than one, but you know what, it, it, you know, that old culture, it's good that that old culture is changing because for example, when I went to, you know, my very first interview, you know, I put myself through university, right. So I had a lot of stuff on my resume mm. And the the manager said to me, so I have part-time positions and full-time positions. I see all these different things on your resume. Why should I hire you full-time? Like, it looks like you want to do a bunch of other stuff. And I was so gut-punched that I couldn't think on my feet. And I was like, like, that should be a good thing, you know? Know that that look at all these different jobs. That, that's all different kinds of skill sets. And, and it is now. You're right. Because back in that day they wanted to know that I was serious about working in finance. And I, you know, to be honest, I wasn't. But I think we're waking up, I think we're waking up in, in the Western world to the, the idea, got, you know, that our lives aren't meant to be spent in service to the corporate machine, uh, you know, and it's, you know, as we've corporatized our countries, both of us, we sort of seem slightly enslaved, don't we, into this idea of work to please other people. And I think breaking through yeah. that is, it's actually very scary because you're on the outside, but it's actually very liberating as well because for the first time, you're really genuinely in control. But it's not for everybody. Some people really should stay in the machines, don't they? They really should. Right. You know, there's there's a big thing in America about entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship, and everybody's having a bash, and everyone's a lot of people are failing because it's a small percentage of the population who can do that thing. So yeah. um, I think getting that perspective is key. Now, I know you've written a book, I and mean, we'll as we draw to a close, just talk a little bit about that. So tell us about the motivation for this book and what it's about. Yeah, so the motivation was me hiring my own coach uh, after leaving corporate, going back into corporate because I was a fish out of water and didn't know what to do because I've been you know in there for 16 years. What am I going to do now? Um, I worked with a coach who basically, long story short, said, I think you should combine your love of writing with your love of mentoring people and write a book to launch your coaching career. The interesting thing is, 
Um, you know, by chapter five, I found myself, I, so it was supposed to be like a memoir, you know, what are the life lessons I learned by this experience, that experience and the other. But by chapter four or five, I found myself only writing about either when my father abandoned me or when I was going through divorce. Mm. I said, well, you know what, that's just what the book is going to be about. And oddly enough, it is kind of a good thing because I'm now getting more people with those types of issues rather than just the career issues, which I love dealing with. But um, yeah, so that's what it was about. And I really hope to write another one about some other section of my life and what left maybe living in Costa Rica, right? What life lessons yeah. I've learned from that. So yeah. So where, where can we find this? Uh, tell us so the, it's on Amazon. Tell us the title again. Where can it we find is it? Holding on to joy uh-huh. through abandonment and divorce. Um, and it is on Amazon. And yes. my uh, website is monroecoaching.com. M-O-N-R-O-E, Monroe Coaching. Okay, brilliant. Okay, well, that's absolutely brilliant. Thank you for spending time with us today. So let's just run those things one more time. Monroe can, uh, co- co- you better say the name of your website, otherwise MonroeCoaching.com. And then my book is called uh, Holding On to Joy Through Abandonment and Divorce, and it can be found on Amazon. Brilliant. You've been a superstar, Connie. Thank you so much, and thank you for bearing thank with you. me. Thank you. You take Thank care. you very much. All right, you too. Hi, everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed, and if you are in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.